The Morning Impact is a weekly podcast which is recorded live on Facebook every Wednesday at 10 a.m. and you are now listening to the audio portion of this interview. If this is your first time listening, please subscribe to this podcast as it is quickly evolving. I'll be producing additional content every week that includes speaking assignments and presentations I give and also some unique podcast-only business topics that you won't find on Instagram, YouTube, or anywhere else. Thank you again for listening in. Get yourself a nice cup of joe or whatever you fancy and have a great day. Sounds good. What a millennial you are. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I lost my Gen X card. <laughs> uh, hey, so we are live right now. Uh, we just uh, had to grab a couple other things going here. Uh, and uh, so this is now episode 24. We got Brian Cardoza on with us this morning. Uh, with the morning impact, so uh, I set this up yesterday, or, or rather the the live preview. But uh, if you've uh, ever gone to an art walk on Friday, which is is it the first or second Friday? Second. I think it's the, it's, is it the second? It's the second Friday, yeah. So the second Friday of every month in New Bern in downtown is art walk from five pm to eight pm. And uh, oh yeah, let me grab a. So Brian Cardoza has a tent there where he does this spin art stuff here. So you can kind of, a little bit bright here. Here we go. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he does this spin art. So these are kind of like, this look like a, just like masonite board yep. that you've cut up. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, so he takes these uh, pieces of board. They're like four by four inches or so. Four by four inches? They're almost five by five. Almost five by five. Okay. A little off. Yeah. And um, so we'll talk a little bit about more how this spin art works, but uh, it's pretty cool. So he does it for free, and um, I got to meet up with him on. I've seen him there several times, and uh, Dave and I were out uh, with some friends. We were actually doing some video coverage for Art Walk, and we met up with Brian and thought this was like the coolest thing. And so it just worked out that uh, he was available to come on the show today. And so we're going to uh, talk about him, and we also have some of his other artwork. Uh, beside me that we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about. Of course, this isn't done by spin art, but... Um, <laughs> that would tell him. But, this, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so, so we'll, we'll kind of kick this off. So, Brian, uh, you know, you're obviously familiar to the uh, interview lifestyle, mm-hmm. so um, I'll, I'll just uh, I'll pass the baton to you, man. Just introduce yourself. So, uh, I'm, my name is Brian Cardoza. Uh, I am a national college speaker. I am an uh, author, an international artist. My... My artwork has gone to book covers in Canada, into New Zealand, so on and so forth. Um, I, uh, I'm, I'm a part-time barista, even, on, on the weekends at River Brew and in uh, River Bend Coffee House. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, so I do, a, I do a whole host of things, uh, but the most fulfilling is the reason that we're here today, really, is because of the, the spin art. Um, because what it means to me to do to give back to society... Um, uh, just to help people create again, get people off of their phones, get people to start to experiment with colors and try different things. And that's why I do it for free. Yeah. So uh, how long have you been doing? Uh, well, first of all, how long have you been doing spin art? And then how long have you been doing it for free for? So I've been so the entire my entire artistic journey was started with a spin art machine when I was seven years old. No, I, I wish we had a picture of your machine. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I was so I was. It, it, you can go on. I, honestly, there's a bunch of them online. Go to Velocity Art uh, on Facebook. But yours you is a homebrew, though, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so. Oh, so so this spin art thing is sort of like. Uh, um, there's like things that aren't homemade for it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's you can spend big money. Yeah. On getting some of it, and they, they you'll go to a carnival and they'll have that at a carnival where they have real, you know, like boxes, all kinds. Well, of yours things. seemed real. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it made real art. It took twenty dollars to make it, yeah. <laughs> uh, so it was real money. Uh, but so if you're gonna put a spin art machine on steroids, what, what does it do better or more of? So most of your spin art boxes. So I use the same motor that a lot of other spin art boxes use. They use just a rotary multi-speed motor, which you can buy at any box fan. You know what I mean? And that's what I use. I use a box fan, take the top off, cut the blades off, put a platform on it, and then surround it with plexi. Your more expensive art, uh, spin art boxes will have like little lids on them and stuff like that. Uh, but most of them also aren't made to carry 
uh, these Masonite boards. They're usually mm. done on paper. And, oh, okay. uh, and ah. I have found the reason why I do these on these boards is because people take them home and they become art at the house. Yeah. And what be, would you do with a, with a paper, piece of paper? Exactly. You end up losing it. You know what I mean? So, so I do it on this because you can go to Michael's and get like a little strip magnet and put this on every refrigerator. You yeah. Can, and uh, I have a, a bunch of people that come see me every year every month almost and they do it and what they're doing is they're they're getting a large piece of cardboard uh, a poster board and then they because they're all five by five they're gluing them together on the poster board and then they're going to frame ah, them so that's have, pretty cool yeah so they have a family piece where all four of their family members and if they have another child it becomes all five of them that's you know? pretty cool yeah, yeah. yeah i call that uh, boat size art because yeah. I live, a, I live yeah, in a boat, yeah. and I haven't got room to hang anything. So yeah. if I get any kind of artwork, it's got to be on the, the you know, yeah. the, with the minuscule size. Yeah. yeah. And so I, know I, I gave him that uh, that picture there on the wall. Um, we printed that for our house, but we printed the wrong size. <laughs> it's, it's twice and, too big. Uh, yeah, it was a picture <laughs> I took uh, shortly after Florence of the harbor there mm -hmm. uh, at sunset. And uh, I, I thought maybe put on your boat or something because, like, your boat probably is in that picture somewhere there. Probably is somewhere. And then yeah. he, he just he pins it to the wall. Yep. No, it makes total sense. <laughs> yeah. So I've been doing the spin art. So I used to do. Uh, I used to go into Greenville and do it there also, and then I would do it here because Greenville's art walk is on the first Friday. So I was. They able, have an art walk. Yeah. Oh yeah. So oh, I was. Did you know about that? Yeah. Oh, I was, we should head, we should head up there on, on Evan Street. Evan Street. Yeah. And um, so I would go out there and I would do their first their first Friday because it was just really kind of fun. It was a different atmosphere. You have a bunch of ECU students. You, have, you know, it, it's just a different atmosphere. So we, I would go out Drunken there. Drunken spin art. <laughs> we're a little early for that. Um, we're, we're the pre-partier. <laughs> you know, so like when they're just getting the liver warmed up. It's, it's so um, bad because the first thing that comes to my yeah. mind. Well, ECU, ECU yeah. Um, so, so, we, uh, so I used to do that out there, but then it just got to the point where... It's so it it really is cheap for me to do this for free, and it really does help a lot of people for me doing it. But when you start to talk about the commute to Greenville and then back, and the it mm -hmm. gets it gets to be kind of just yeah. a little expensive. So I drive out seventeen at night is terrible. Too. Yeah, and trying to sponsor, yeah, trying to sponsor to like sponsor your your travel up there for for my art. I don't want to find sponsors. Yeah, okay. Um, and because to me, uh, money has a way of selling some stuff, and. I've always believed that art should be something that we we take emotional response to, that we take responsibility and maturity over. And mm. it's something that we should be uh, teaching young adult adults everything. And we should do it for as, as if we can teach it, we should do it for as little as possible. Um, and when people are buying art, they should be buying it from artists, not, mm -hmm. not Target, not Walmart. Sure. You know what I mean? Because, you know, it's just like any other... Mass-produced art. <laughs> yeah, well, it's just like any other small business. You know what I mean? Like, if you support your small business, that money goes back into your economy. Absolutely. Uh, you're, you may pay more for it, but, like, you know, one of my paintings here, you're never going to see another one at another person's house ever again. So you'll have that original art. And uh, so those are the things that I try to promote with this. I also try to promote a lot of mental health. Um, I'm also a, a state-certified, victim-informed, trauma-trained, uh, state-certified peer support specialist. And so, what what is that? Um, peer support is an incredible program that's having drastic results nationwide. And what it is is instead of going for some people who can't afford uh, fully accredited clinical support and help, they can they other corporations can hire peer support. And what that means is is that the people that are in that environment have actually are on the road to recovery for said afflictions. So um, I have I had a very I don't know how much you want to get into this, but I had a very very and I we had said some um, sure uh, I had a very very tumultuous childhood, and because of that childhood, it I developed certain mental health things like anxiety. Um, up until this year, I had, so my anxiety, I have severe anxiety up to agoraphobia. Um, I What's have, agoraphobia? Uh, fear of leaving the house. Oh, okay. wow. Okay. Yeah. And then you do spin art. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, then also I have severe. Seems like you've gotten over it though. No, no, no. It's, it's a challenge every day. That, that, well, that, that, that's what I'm getting yeah, at. You, yeah. You, yeah. I, I kind of picked up on the fact that it's like, like an ongoing thing. Oh, and yeah. you muscle through it, you know? Yeah. Well, and you kind of have to, um, I also have severe PTSD. 
Um, I have body dysmorphic disorder. Um, like I have friends that are just like, so I just recently lost 240 pounds in the last 18 months. What? Yeah. And wow. so how did you do that? Uh, intermittent fasting and keto. Huh. And it's been an amazing thing. It's that if anything, <laughs> yeah, if anything has helped my, my mental health, it's, it's intermittent fasting. Um, but so what do you do with intermittent fasting? Sorry, there's like a yeah, lot of questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so what's uh, intermittent yeah. fasting? So let me let me get through the one thing at a time. Because clearly yeah. I'm not, yeah. you know, the, the, uh, you know, the most healthiest so, person here. So to go back to the peer support, then I'll get into that. Sure. Is, so, uh, so at peer support, what I do is because of, and I'll just go ahead and say it because when I was six, I was sold into sex trafficking until I was nine. There's not very many men coming forward that understand mm-hmm. what sex abuse is. So I, I get jobs or I'll talk to people for other survivors that know what that is. And they're finding that the reason why peer support is so successful, Dave, because you asked the question directly, is there is a certain level of, of intimate knowledge that is transferred with just a look between two survivors. And when you can look at that other survivor and be like, you know what the monsters look like. I, mm. I know you know it. Hmm. There's an opening that comes there. All right. And if you can show them like... I've gone through this also. I didn't go through what you went through exactly. That's an impossibility. But I have gone through a lot of the exact same emotions. And here I am on this other side. And it gives people a little bit of inspiration. It really helps people. Uh, Places, uh, prisons that have peer support in them. Mm. And like Pennsylvania, their recidivism rate is, is dropping. You know what I mean? So like peer support is a very important thing. And we just need to get more peer support involved. Um, so th- I went and got certified. I'm even part of a North Carolina university, uh, program called the fellowship where I'm developing a, a 501 C three that is going to be based on peer support and art to help hmm. more survivors of trauma and as a blanket statement. And that's all on a volunteer basis, right? For right now it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, um, and I will continue to do that as long as I'm able. Mm-hmm. Like, now I would imagine, you know, I can't speak freely of this obviously, yeah. but I, I would imagine that, uh, the idea of peer support is about what I would understand based on what you said is uh, about letting someone know that they're not alone and they also don't have to be ashamed of yeah. what happened basically. So what, so what peer support really does is it gives people permission to heal. And so, and, and, mm-hmm. that, and that's the best way that I can think. So when I go to colleges, that's what I go to colleges and I speak out about is uh, about consent, about what it is to be a sex abuse survivor in today's day and age. Um, also to be a male sex abuse survivor and also be the guy that nobody would suspect is the sex abuse survivor. Mm-hmm. Um, my book is called The Unexpected Victim because, and uh, I'll pat myself on the back, I don't do it very often, <laughs> but it just made it to the Library of Congress, so it's now in the Library of Congress. Wow, And uh, congratulations. Thank you. And so, and I just, uh, I also painted the cover of the book, so oh. so now I'm like a double threat, you know, because I- It's still available for sale, I oh, imagine. Yeah, on yeah. Amazon and Barnes & Noble, and so- uh, Barnes and Noble's still around, huh? Yeah, I know. They're, they're <laughs> hanging on. They're like my hairline. Wait, wait, no, what but, about the one uh, right. over out of the Books a Million? Yeah, place. they have uh, the Books a Million. I haven't got it on there yet. But if you go for a local, if you want to go to a local place, the next chapter. Yeah, uh, the next. Okay, yeah. yeah it's yeah. that little bookstore yep. in front of yeah. you. Yeah, we, we had Joey Jones on a few, uh, a few yep. weeks ago, yep. and his books are there, I yep. guess. Yeah, and my book's there, too. Um, so you can go locally. You can go buy it there, and I would recommend. What about audiobook? Uh, audiobook. We have it on. We don't have it on audio, but we have it on Nook and um, for our digital books. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, and Nooks are still around too, huh? Yep. Yeah, yeah. I still have one. I have you a really? ton of books. I am <laughs> um, a voracious reader. So, uh, so bro, I'm starting that with with the North Carolina State and stuff like that, and we're trying to get it out to where we're helping people as much as humanly possible. And when I get the 501, we're going to go for a nonprofit status, but you know, for grants and stuff like yep. that. Uh, but I still don't want services to be paid for because I want people to realize that your recovery is worth more than whatever you can pay. Me. Yeah. Right. Uh, so now intermittent, you can't put a price on it. Yeah. And so sure. f- for intermittent fasting, um, I follow some pretty strict protocols and it has been amazing for my, my mental health. Absolutely astounding. Uh, the, the get rid of, I haven't had sugar in, 18 months. So you got sugar-free iced coffee there? Yeah. No, Oof. just straight black. No Splenda? No Splenda. Well, well, yeah, well. and uh, I just drink I just drink black coffee and water um, for that. And then I, on a normal, I'm fasting anywhere from at least 18 hours to 24 hours a day. Wow. 
I don't have just like, like no 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 food then is what no you're food. No but food. But you can have all the liquids you want though. Right? Yeah, as long as there's no co- calories or sugar in it. So just black coffee or water. Wow. So, I don't so have, you you fast for like basically a 24 hour period, but then, then you don't do it again until when? So I'll have one meal, and then I'll go for another 20 or 24 hours. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's been amazing. It really has. Now, the the if people are worried about anemia and you know all this kind of stuff. The difference between intermittent fasting and anemia is that when you do have a meal, you're trying to have a large amount of calories. So you're really trying to get your day's worth of calories in okay. one meal. But, beca- but because you have to have so many calories, it's almost impossible. So you're always working from a deficit. Yeah. And, you, and you're not trying to not eat to just not eat. You're trying to like get yeah. your calories. You're just trying to keep your cortisol levels and your insulin levels as low. So your body can lose Jeez, weight. All you got to do is get that $5 big box over a Burger King. <laughs> yeah. you got, you're covered yeah. for two days. Well, you still want to eat clean. You know what I mean? But, well, um, to be clear, with this intermittent fasting, my worry wouldn't be about the... What was the other thing you talked about? Bulimia. Right? Bulimia. Yeah. My worry wouldn't be that. My worry would be like, I'm going to kill someone if I don't have a piece of bread right now. That so, would be my worry. So, <laughs> that's, so that's the thing about intermittent fasting is that I... So I'm neurotic, and I openly admit this, right? So I started intermittent fasting. Uh, for the first month, I lost almost 30, 35 pounds right wow. off the rip. How often a week do you do that? I do it every day. No, you can't eat, not eat every day. I, I do. I do it every day. So like, you have one meal a so, day, so it seven is, days a week? So yesterday I ate at noon, mm-hmm. and I haven't had nothing since then. You know, and so. But you don't feel hungry, though? No, not at all. See, I'm a, I'm a grazer, right? I don't yeah. like big meals. I just eat a little bit, you know, multiple times a day. So, so part of what, so part of this entire journey for me was, so two years ago. Um, I mean, I, not to interrupt you, yeah. but I guess there are so many different, you know, if we're on the small topic of weight loss, actually yeah. like an oxymoron. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Jumbo shrimp much? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, there are so many methods to lose weight, yeah. and there are so many experts on how to lose weight. There's so many coaches, yeah. health coaches, right? And the thing is, like, all of these things work to a degree, but my point is, the proof is in the pudding. So if you lose 240 pounds... Now, my point is, intermittent fasting might not work for me, but if you lost 240 pounds then it proves it works it proves that it works yes right so, and as long as you're not like an angry postal man yeah, yeah, it works yeah. and maintains a quality of life well and then on top <laughs> of that so just for more verification um just last monday i was at the gym on incline bench still putting up 405 pounds you know what i mean so like and that's on this protocol. Right, right. Four hundred five pounds of jumbo shrimp, or yeah, yeah, like no, the- just, uh, <laughs> of lead weight. Yeah. What uh, what uh, gym do you go to? Titan Fitness. Where's over, that? Over off of Glen Burning. Never even knew that was there. Yeah, it's it's a twenty four hour warehouse gym. Oh, oh it's not like for the snap pla- snap places. Oh no, it's 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 more for it, it. It's very open. They allow you know, like you could go there on any level and and work out there, um, but it's more geared towards. Uh, yeah, I mean, you could you easily do that. It's more geared for people that really do like to lift and lift and lift kind of heavy. You know what I mean? And so a lot of free weights, a lot of free weights. Yeah, um, it's a, it's a the atmosphere is very inviting. I mean, like anybody, really, honestly, anybody mm. can go there and you'd you'd feel it right at home. Um, it's, yeah, see, we're polar opposites of that because I used to go to Gold's Gym. I yeah. went there for about five, six, seven it's years. Cool. Yeah, and and I, what drives me, and don't take no offense at this, mm-hmm. but the guys that stand there and look at themselves in the mirror, right, and go. Well, I mean, and, and you just yeah. love it, and you're going to get that in every gym. That makes me get that yeah. makes me gag. So well, I go to I go yeah. to Planet Fitness now, right? Yeah. Where I'm the youngest person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I was okay. just there this morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, well, well. Now the gym is, isn't about you know super big muscle guys flexing. It's about everyone recording their workout videos. Yeah, yeah. or it's a meat market. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's it's where people go. I know. And they're, yeah, and they're yeah. they're they're walking around with their iced coffees, yeah. and it's like it's a social gathering. Yeah. And that's what like. I've been to a few different gyms, not around here, but you know, back uh, in Rhode Island where I used to live, there's a lot of. I mean, there's a lot of fitness uh, places, but what every part? every gym that I go to, it'd be the same thing. It'd what part of like, Rhode Island? Uh, the North Providence, which is like right outside Providence. But my yeah. entire family is from Newport, Middletown. I was going to ask if actually you were from New England because yeah. there's not a lot, a lot of Portuguese down here. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you're an iced coffee drinker. Like yeah. iced coffee is a very New England thing. Quincy, baby. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Fair enough. All right. That, yeah, yeah. that makes that makes so much more sense now. Yeah. 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 Um, 
But uh, but yeah, it's just like it's like hang out. Like they'd be talking and there'd be people like laughing and it's like yelling and I'm like, dude, yeah. I just yeah. So so when you when you when you talk about intermittent fasting, also this is very important to point point out. And what you had said earlier is very astute in the fact that there are a million different lifestyles, a million different ways to lose weight. There's and everything you know is different for every single person. But in 2016, a Japanese doctor won the Nobel Prize in medicine on his findings on fasting. And what it was is he had found that when you increase your autophagy effect, which is your autophageal effect is uh, the removal of the re the re the removal of old cells from your body. So that only comes from a fasted state with more than 36 hours fasted. Okay. And what that is, is that your body will come in and it'll, it'll remove the old cells and replace them with new cells. The reason why that's so important is that he had found that there was a 37% reduction in the in Alzheimer's and Parkinson's risks huh. from just doing this. Huh. So I mean, 37 cents not a, you don't you don't schluff that number off. You mm-hmm. know, you, you you listen. So <clears throat> you know, and you look at I don't know what your listeners or what you guys believe, but if you look at the evolution of man for the last 250,000 years, where we are species is perpetuated. I can promise you they didn't eat three meals a day. <laughs> oh yeah, you know every day of you know it was probably yeah. it was probably three meals a month. You know right. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So your body is built to sustain itself. Mm-hmm. It's it's the ongoing onslaught of sugars and processed food. Yeah, that is. And if you look at the numbers, you look at increase of cancers, heart attacks, and stuff like that. You can see that they parallel the increase of how many times a day we eat. Mm-hmm. Here's what I found though with uh, healthy eating. Or healthier eating, mm-hmm. um, because of the society that we live in today, for most people to eat healthier and not eat fast processed yeah. foods, or even not just fast food, but just even like you know processed foods like at a restaurant thing, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. to just like be self sustaining and eat your own stuff, it's very difficult because there's. Well, I shouldn't say it's different. There's a lot more resources now on how to home cook, you know, healthy. Yeah. But it's it's in most cases it's much more expensive, yeah. and that's I think is one of the bigger problems with healthier eating yeah. is it's it's actually it used to be cheaper to make your own food at home. Yeah. That's my point. It yeah. used to be cheaper to make your own food at home mm-hmm. than go out to eat. Yeah. Um, it's cheaper now to, to your point, like the big thing at BK, whatever, if you're yeah. trying to feed a family and you're on, you yeah. know, and you got 10 bucks, you can do it there. So, and that's one of the things that I help, I help people with is so when in my journey of weight loss, I realized, so, uh, four years ago, I was, I was trying to get back into shape. I used to be, when I lived in Boston, I was, I was literally 264 pounds, 4% body fat. Like I was shredded a monster, right? Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I can get back there. Wow. Four, I can get back there. I can get back there. So four years ago, I started my training again. And um, I got down to 370 pounds. And you'll appreciate this because golds and stuff like that. I don't know if you're, uh, what your fitness level was. I mean, you're obviously not out of shape, but you know. Sure. Um, I was doing. <laughs> I, was, I, I appreciate was, yeah, the, yeah, the I, comment. <laughs> yeah, I was doing 26 burpees a minute in between sets. Wow. What, what is a burpee? Where you, you, you're down, up, down, Oh, up. Yeah. yeah. I did that at CrossFit once, yeah. and I was basically dead after doing the burpee warm-up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so and I did. I was doing 26 a minute in between sets at 370 pounds and couldn't lose weight. Just I stayed at 370. Mm. That's frustrating. Yes. Because there's an incredible amount of effort put in with yeah. little results. And so what I had found was through the discovery of mental health, and I'm thinking about actually doing something about this and starting like my own channel, um, because of my advanced PTSD, my cortisol levels were naturally higher. Huh. And so when you look at when you look at what PTSD does to the body mm-hmm. and the stress levels and the and the flight or flight is always up at a higher level. Interesting. So, so what I found from my body, because when you're in flight or flight, your body maintains weight. Right. Because it doesn't know when it's gonna get food again. Right. So in order for me to lose weight, I had to dial back the intensity and do just longer duration. Hmm. And that's what started. And now I'm now as of yesterday morning, my way in, I was 324 fully dressed. Wow. Yeah. And, and you were, congratulations. And you were, and you were like, you said 370. I recently? was, I was, no, I was, I had a, I had another knee, sir. I had two more procedures on my knee and I got up a well over 500 pounds. Wow. 
well over 500. Well, wow, so you're, yeah, so you're you're down uh, you down know, 240. 240. Wow. Yeah. Um, and and it was in the and the the crazy part is is that I don't work out as hard. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So just longer. Yeah, I so I'll just do an hour hour and a half, but it'll be at a, a nice moderate easy going pace. Mm-hmm. Still working on muscle strength, still working on that, doing my cardio at the right time, making sure I'm maintaining my diet. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And like and my mental health has just thrived. Like I have Yeah. I, I haven't had an agoraphobia stage um in probably well over a year. Wow. That's yeah. great, man. Yeah. I, like I'm really like the more I talk to you, the more I like and appreciate you because uh you you know like you're not to call you a typical person, but you're you're like such an atypical person that has like X, Y, Z, A, B, C things against, you know, you basically saying, I'm still going to live like what I would consider a normal life, like yeah. a, a quality of life. Mm-hmm. But you kind of keep pushing through those barriers. And now people that I interact with are mostly business owners, but, um, you know, um, I, I find... People make a lot of excuses, I guess. That, that, that's really where I'm going with this. Yeah. People make a lot of excuses for things of like, like they're deflectors. Like most people are deflectors. Yeah. You know, like, oh, I couldn't do this business result because this thing happened or because Facebook did this or because yeah. this thing happened. It's like. Well, I, I'm not immune to that because um, I, I mean. Of course. I, yeah, of I, course you're not. Yeah. I think we're all human and we have these these idiosyncrasies that will always come back and, and get us. I just. So I'm also a consultant for the Office for Victims of Crime, a federal office. And uh, I was telling this to a, a, a somebody yesterday. When I filed to become a consultant for them, they wanted at least five years speaking experience before you could. And I had literally like three months. <laughs> they, they are like, you could tell when they when they wrote back, like, really? Like, you saw the quality, right? And they're like, what could you bring to us? Yep. And so I told them, I said, I could bring bad math. And they're like, what is bad math? So bad math is the realization of what, in my opinion, what life really is. Mm-hmm. So uh, for what I looked at what happened to me in my youth, right? So I broke everything down to a tangent line. So for the sex abuse. So uh, so anybody who gets triggered for this, I'm going to use some a little bit of curse language, but no cursing. Terse language. So I was so. Did you say terse? With terse. Yeah. So when I was being molested, um, when I looked at from the time frame from start to finish, not the grooming, nothing, it was I was being continuously molested for about 45 minutes of my life. All right. When I looked at the physical abuse, um, I was, my, my, my mother would beat me with like coat hangers and broomsticks, two by fours, whatever she'd get her hands on. Uh, that physical beatings for, for like three weeks. Then when I look at the severe mental abuse, um, I was homeless at 15. So, I mean, like, it'll tell you how bad it was, right? Yeah. Um, so, and that was on the streets. I was I was kicked out December 14th, 1989 in Anchorage, Alaska. Hmm. I had to live on it. I, I stayed the night in a car. In winter. In winter. Like, almost froze. Like, literally, not hypothetically, like, literally almost froze to death that night. And when I look at how that physical and emotional abuse lasted for about three months of my entire life, and the reason why I called this bad math is because the average life expectancy of a human being is 79 years old right now. Mm-hmm. So how can I let four, 45 minutes, three weeks, and three months be greater than mm. the potential for 79 years? Hmm. And that's because if you let that be greater... That's a fantastic viewpoint. That's, it's, it's bad math. Yeah. Now, the reality is, is that that's still part of those 79 years. Right. But since I'm not going to waste energy and time on there's no such thing as a time machine, I'm going to deal with this in my in the best possible way every single day. I can't go back and change it. Right. And I and I find a lot of survivors of trauma, part of the angst is they wish they could go back in time and change the mm. situation or this particular thing. And I would not. I prefer not to waste my energy on something that is just not plausible so just right have some radical acceptance of like okay you know what i can't change this i am a rape survivor but i am not rape right you know i am i have mental health issues but i am not the face of mental health issues right it's something that is part of me right and so every morning this I, isn't a hundred percent of who i am yeah and so sure. every, every morning i wake up i i 
I my dog comes up, puts her chest right her head right in the middle of my chest, gives mm-hmm. me a hug and a kiss. Mm-hmm. I put her outside, I get coffee, and during this time I'm telling myself, and this is a literal thing, every day I do, I go, Today is gonna to be better than yesterday. And that would that includes like if I won the lottery, today will be better than yesterday. And it just reminds me that I can't change what mm-hmm. already happened, but I can make today better. Right. And so positive affirmation. Yeah. And, yeah, and sure. so, and I don't know if it's so much of a positive affirmation or just determination, stupidity and perseverity, <laughs> you know what I mean? But, uh, that's, you know, and that's another reason not to bring it full back around, but that's another reason why I do the spin art is, you know, that's my affirmation. When you see like a kid whose face was just like, I don't know if they want to do it. And, and then all of a sudden they get done <laughs> and they're just like, their smile and glitched their entire face. Fireworks. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's when you're like, holy crap, I did that. Like mm-hmm. I brought this to that child and you can't beat that. So did uh, you have a career or were you in the military or? I, I spent 23 years as a chef. Oh, really? Yeah. From Alaska to Boston to here. And, wow. Um, yeah. I just got finished um, listening to Anthony Bourdain's mm-hmm. uh, Kitchen Confidential. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome read. I'll tell you, chefs have some of the most experience. It's the most amazing experiences. Like there really should just be a podcast on like crazy lives of chefs. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure there is. There's one well, for when you're feeding people, it's such a, it's, it's well, like, it can be such an intimate yeah, I have, uh, thing that you do because you're Everybody now you're fasting, but yeah. I mean ultimately everybody needs fuel yeah. in their body. So mm-hmm. it's like you're providing someone with fuel. It's it's an intimate thing. It's, that yeah, you're it's doing. sustenance. Yeah. What I have found to be most fascinating is that so the reason why I started cooking. All right, so I went from I went from sleeping in a car my first night homeless to 16 years old having my first apartment at a slumlord's place because I was I was already really big. So it was just like, no one's going to think you're under 18. Sure, <laughs> like, sure. like, so we'll let you rent the apartment. So I ended up getting a job at a, at a Burger King. And it was the singular realization that as long as I work in food, I won't starve. <laughs> I love that. One yes. of the freebies. Yep. So I have, I have a theory that a lot of your chefs and um, line cooks that are professional been line cooks their entire life. They probably are trauma survivors. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And, and Bourdain's book there. Yeah. yeah it's a real colorful spectrum yeah. of, uh, of a life. Yeah. yeah. And so you realize that, you know, there are, they were working to live. Yeah. They were surviving yeah. and, and you get into a field where we are, we know that you need food to survive, right? You may not need as much as you need, but you need <laughs> food to survive. So what do you do when you have no money and you have, you, you work with food, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And so at least most places you get a meal a day if you're not picking off, of, you know, yeah. if, you, if you're not grazing the entire day. Mm-hmm. There's actually a show that I was watching uh, a couple months ago. It was called Undercover Billionaire. The, the long story premise of it, basically, he was already a, a self-made billionaire. Yeah. But and he wanted to go back and see if he could start it over. With a hundred bucks. Again. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you saw that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, what I thought was, I mean, he really, like, what I found even interesting about it was, like, when he got sick and he went to the hospital, he didn't use, like, his insurance card. He paid for that, like, out of pocket, you know, yeah. like, a couple thousand bucks. Um, but I think by the second or third night, he was getting low on cash and he was hungry. And so he ended up working at a soup kitchen, um, because then he would get a meal later, but he volunteered at a soup kitchen and then yeah. he got fed afterwards and then slept in his car later. That mm-hmm. night, you yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I, I, you know, see your point there and I, you know, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, Hey, I want to just uh, switch gears just a bit yeah. because, uh, you, you brought spin art back into the circle here. So want to talk about uh let's talk about these three pieces you brought here not that these have like any meaning. perhaps yeah. any sort of any yeah. uh artistic meaning to them but um let's talk a little more about the spin art and then we'll get into your original artwork there gotcha. so here uh what would you call this one let's name these three so i i would almost call that your hummingbird okay it, can you see the wings in yes the... yeah. yeah 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 i got yeah. you there uh how about this guy that one, so if you flip it over, I would call it a neon sunrise. Maybe this way? Yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like like a like a uh, Brooks and Dunn neon moon, but it's like a neon sunrise. Didn't get know? in the country. <laughs> yeah, okay. Right. And uh, that one that one almost looks like a phoenix, because you can see the wings, and it's like it's landing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, and that's the great thing about spin art, is it, it does allow for a lot of interpretation. Interpretation, sure, yeah. yeah. And that's what art's supposed to be. Yeah. Like I, I'm, 
I'm always reticent to be one of those people that like paints just lighthouses and beach scenes. I want I want people to look at my stuff and just be like, "What was he thinking?" You know what I mean? Like, like what was cooking in that head? Yeah, it's, it's like, did he do something before he painted? <laughs> like, like, I didn't. So, so New has a pretty vibrant art community. Though. Very, when you agree. very, yeah. 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 I would agree, yeah. But so like so like this painting, it's very surrealism. It's a lot of surrealism. Um, you know what's interesting about this? Uh, this is just my, you know, of course, it's the interpretation. But when I first look at this, this looks like prison bars. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, again, yeah, yeah. You know, it's almost like someone's trapped somewhere trying to look out into the colorful world. Yeah, no. I, now, I, now I, that's I, just. See, I, I see that, and I think Australia. Yeah, with the burning. Yeah, yeah. Now, what do you now? Do you do like a masking tape on the edge here so that yeah, way it doesn't bleed so off? I, I like that. It, it makes yeah. like a nice border. So I, uh, I do a lot of my stuff is all is you know full full canvas. And I was watching a video on YouTube one day, a tutorial stuff, and I saw the guy masked it, and I was just like, <gasps> I have to do this. That's great. I really <laughs> like that a lot. Yeah, it, yeah. it frames it out. It almost yeah. looks like a canvas frame. You yeah, know. Yep. Yeah. So then we have. Uh, I would imagine this is supposed to be oriented portrait. Yeah. And so the the camera will film the whole thing. But, uh, so this is like a tree on a beach, perhaps. Yeah, and so that's again, that's surrealism. Uh, I, you know, there are some examples of abstract art that looks like this because the colors are so off. You know what I mean? Um, but I, I try to throw in the beach scene a little bit for for our New Bernian art fans. And, <laughs> and what's the deal with the footprints? Is that just so, so the footprints is just a, a tip. So I'm going to do another one. I was telling you this earlier. I'm going to do another one. Uh, the t you, typically, you see singular footprints on on beach paintings. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do another one where they're just beat the the feet footprints are going back and forth. I'm going to label it "Lost Keys," so that we can all relate to that. Because mm -hmm. how many times you've been to the beach and been like, "Where's my watch? Wait, where did my keys yeah. go?" <laughs> like, Where's my kid? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this one's going to be very difficult to show the whole thing, but it's going to cover my face in a moment here. Yeah. So. To tell me when it goes out of the frame upwards. Oh, yeah, it's, it's uh, you got right it. there. Yep. Yeah. All right, so we'll bring it back down. So, so this one to me is a fascinating painting. Um, there was a meme on social media of a guy who had taken a picture of a rainbow from above the clouds. And everybody was just like so immersed in this photo. They're just like, oh, it's so amazing. And as a science nerd and as a guy who goes down the rabbit hole, I was just like, you guys realize you're looking at a fictional picture. And nobody, nobody was like, because rainbows only exist on the event on your horizon, so you can't get over the top of them. Is that really true? Yeah. So you, and it's, the, it's the atmosphere, basically. Yeah. That yeah. And you have to be, you have to be on the horizon line to see it. Right. So you can't physically, you cannot be on top of a of a of a rainbow. So what they were seeing was they were seeing the light prism come in through the the airplane window, and it was, and that's what was uh. reflecting it. And I was like, but the image is still breathtaking. Yeah, sure. It was still gorgeous. So I was yeah. like, so that one's called Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so, and I, and I did it because the image was amazing, but I wanted to inspire the conversation. Like, it's easier to believe the lie or the fictional story. Do some research and be fascinated by the research, not so much just the image. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Go down your own rabbit hole. Take a look mm -hmm. at things. You know what I mean? And, um, also, I'm very, I'm very, I'm very democratic, very liberal, and so I like for I like to paint rainbows. That's where the Quincy guys are. Like, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I like to paint rainbows in in conservative areas because I like to have them like to challenge people. <laughs> I really enjoy it. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but so now, are these for sale yeah, or yeah, okay. for sale? Um, and uh, I, I, you can find my. For the most part, you can find my stuff on Survivor Nights, uh, but Nights like old of old, K-N-I-G-H-T. Okay, uh, that is my current charity group that I have a, I'm doing stuff with. We have a show coming up, holy crap, next week at Lenore, Commun oh, yeah, yeah, at Lenore Community College. Uh, they're putting up a, a Survivor Nights art show there, and I'll be speaking at Lenore on the 23rd. And then we have the, sh the show will go for another week. And what Survivor Nights art show is, it's a uh, traveling art show. We have, we do them in Philadelphia on a regular basis. We do them in Canada. We do them wherever. And they're free to people to host. But what it is, is it's trauma under the large umbrella. And what I mean by that is the two taglines for the show are, we don't care what you survived. We just care that you did. 
And then also uh, communities create survivors, but stronger survivors create stronger communities. Mm -hmm. Sure. And so when I was inventing Survivor Nights, it was due to the fact that as a male sex abuse survivor, in order to heal, you need to have conversations. You need to talk to people that know what those monsters look like, so on and so forth. But when you look at the rate of males coming forward, I was going to wait a very long time before I spoke to another male survivor because mm. we just don't talk about it. Mm -hmm. So then I started looking into what are the effects of trauma on this on the on the on the mental health aspect. And across the board, the top 10 things are pretty much the same whether you have survived domestic violence, cancer diagnosis, HIV, heart attack, whatever. So they're almost all the identical things. So why wait for another male survivor to come forward when I can talk to a cancer survivor mm -hmm. about the negotiation? Mm. You know what I mean? About mm. those same sure. similar things. Sure. And so what Survivor Nights does is we let people come forward with whatever artistic medium they have, whether it's sculpture, 3D, 2D, music, poetry, whatever. And we feature them. We let, we let them say their piece. Um, and if they want to be anonymous and they just want to put a piece up and that's it, we're good yep. with that. If they want to be on a stage talking to people, we're good with that. And it just allows for a community to grow. Yeah. Are you uh, are you in any of the uh, local gal galleries around here? No, no, I am not in any of the local galleries. And, I, and because a lot of the local galleries, I believe, uh, really focus on what will sell mm -hmm. versus, you know, because... I mean, let's be honest, they have a business, you know what I mean? And they mm -hmm. need to pay those sure. bills. They need to pay the employees. So they do a lot more focus in on, on stuff that'll sell, not stuff that'll always inspire a lot of conversation. Um, and there's very specific, like uh, Lisa over at Greater Good, she'll have stuff that, you know, makes people think, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, every once in a while, the Bank of the Arts will do stuff like that. Mm -hmm. uh, Dara, Dara Morgan had Stardust and she would do stuff that was that against the you know just what will sell right um but there's not very many pieces now river brew the play the coffee house i work at they're doing a featured artist a month and they're going to also host a survivor night show before i i'm moving in uh june to either Asheville or utah and um so they're going to host a survivor night show also so we're going to be we're what's taking you out to utah um so Utah has a very large uh, artistic community out there, um, and oh, also, I never thunk it. Yeah, we, well, and it's, and it's called Sugar House. And like if you Googled Sugar House Utah right now, you would see the first ten images are just their art walks. Huh. I mean, it's that important to them, and, uh, and they also have they have like Moab, which is a very large artistic community in southwestern southwestern Utah. Huh. Um, but also here, for some reason, I really can't find much work as a peer support specialist. Um, in Utah, the state of Utah hires peer support at like almost $5 more an hour than anybody else. Mm. So, and it's Salt Lake city is very cheap. <laughs> so, mm. um, and I'll be back in my mountains, you know, growing up in Alaska for the first 19 years of your life, you, you know, mm. you, you get kind of used to looking over there and being like, Oh, there's 18,000 feet. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and you start to miss it after a while. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, I gotta ask you. I gotta ask you a question. I, I, you're just gonna shift gears my, my here for shoes. a second. Did, did you? Was <laughs> yeah. that spin art on your shoes? Or? No, these. This is these are hand painted. Yeah, I. I oh, do. you. But you. You did it though. Yeah. Oh, yeah okay. I, yeah, I paint shoes for people if they need them. Have you ever? Have you ever put? It kind of gave me an idea. Take like a white canvas shoe and do yeah. like a spin art. Have you yeah. ever done that? No, I. It would be kind of hard to get them to stay in the in the um, because of the the velocity of the art and then you know these things would. would what if you like? Uh, what if you just like hot glued them down to the plate? You could. Um, it would be very interesting. I, w I, w I would be willing to play around with it. Um, but I, I do a lot of custom uh, clothes, too. Like, I do, uh, I, I paint chef jackets, hmm. you know, because they're, they're basically canvas. Mm. You know? Yeah. And so, uh, so I do a, a, a whole bunch of stuff. They're going to get dirty anyways, you know. It's yeah. Like, why, I, I never understood a white chef jacket. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No. For something that inherently gets dirty. Well, and, you know, and the, and the craziest thing about chef jackets is people just use them for work. I mean, these things are great little jackets. Like, yeah. I wear mine out. <laughs> I, I have a red one that I bought from a restaurant supply store. Yeah. Uh, in Rhode Island, a friend of mine owned a uh, breakfast uh, breakfast spot. And so she had a restaurant mm -hmm. like uh 
Yeah, it'd be like a member. Yeah, you know, a members only there. jacket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 At your and age, so, you didn't really know about those. <laughs> uh, but no, you'd be a member of the depot to to, and you had to own a restaurant to, gotcha. to get a membership yeah. there. So we went one time with her uh, to get a bunch of supplies and stuff, and I just was shopping around, and I saw they had a whole bunch of chef's coats, and I'm like, it'd be a fun gag. I mean, I'm just always about like gag stuff, yeah, yeah. and so. Uh, yeah, so I grabbed this red, and so every time, like I would do like grilling or home cooking, whatever, like comes the chef through the jacket on you. Yeah, know? Yeah, absolutely. I think I, I'm pretty certain it came down with me. I think we moved it with me. It's somewhere in the house, somewhere. Well, I, I still, I still wear because I, I painted, I painted the sleeves on my chef coat. Uh, I, I love that jacket. It's lightweight. It's not too heavy. So, like, if it's a little bit chilly for a guy my size, I'm like, hey, it's just perfect, mm. you know. Um, I should have my kit paint my chef's coat. It's, yeah. it's red, but, you know, it could be, like, the oh, base would, color for Yeah, it, that'd be so. amazing. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah. and I it's still throw my chef coat. Like, I, I make gourmet cookies, and I give them away and, and sell them to certain, you know, certain people that always request them. Like, I just invented a uh, bacon maple peanut butter cookie that would just make people cry, you know, and that's very hard to do on keto. <laughs> so, so when you, uh, so you were talking about starting a, a channel of your own, uh, yeah. you know, to inform people, you should do it with like uh, always wearing your chef coat. Absolutely. Yeah. You, you know, it's yeah. like uh, here's what we're cooking up. Like it's like a different. It's a spin, yeah. no pun intended, yeah. spin art, but. Yeah. Uh, well, it is. You know, it's yeah, yeah sure. You know, it's mm-hmm. but it's a little it's a little spin on what you do there, and it makes it kind of unique. Yeah, that's one of the things that you know I found with, um, particularly with YouTube marketing, is you take any subject, and currently there's probably I don't know ten thousand people talking about the exact yeah. same thing. Yeah, it's super hard to stand out. You know, in a crowd, I don't yeah. do it for that. Um, but I, you know, like if I put a tutorial about you know email marketing or web design or social mm-hmm. media or something, I mean. There's already ten thousand people that I've talked about the exact same thing as yeah, I yeah. did with a different pitch and tone. With it, yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah. yeah, so I'm I'm not doing it in in order to um, make a living out of it. Um, I do it for different reasons, yeah. but I recognize that it's it's extremely hard. You want to start something today, you can still do it. It's just you have to be like yeah. unique in your own way, yeah, which is which is why I've I'm really thinking because I have I have diligently looked for um, diet and cooking for PTSD. And I have, I have seen nothing. And there are things that with, I have found from my PTSD and I can only speak for myself. You know, I'm not a, right. I am not a, a clinically physician. You know what I mean? Like I, I just learned lived life experience. Yeah. Um, just the, by the way, how people did it, you know, thousands of years ago before there you. were colleges and universities yeah. that told you what you need. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I got to stop because I'm so like, you, oh, yeah, we'll super go passionate about yeah, like yeah. I couldn't be less interested yeah, in higher yeah. education. <laughs> yeah. You and I both will just we could really probably go crazy on that. Yeah. I'm the same way. <laughs> so are you um, hardcore keto or? You... So I do a thing called dirty keto. Okay. And what dirty keto is, is. Is uh, it very spicy or? It can be. No, um, just, yeah, it can be. Um, but so I, as a 23 year chef, you know. I, I I love flavor, and a lot of your your clean ketos are like you know plain chicken breast and mm-hmm. and and sure. avocado and you know what I mean and so dirty keto is where instead of using chicken breast I'm using chicken thighs and I'm getting more more of the animal fat versus the cleaner you mm. know um, and the reason I do that is because I do love flavor and I know that if I do dirty keto and still are within my parameters I will continue to eat a meal of chicken thighs and get the amount of protein, get the amount of fat that I need. If you put chicken breast in front of me, I'd just be like, oh. so you're not like one of those hardcore weightlifters that boil their chicken breast three times until it's, Oh, uh, I was when I was two sixty four. They boil it three. Why would you boil it three times? <laughs> well, I, I never know about boiling it three times, but, uh, I've never heard of that one. Well, they, they just want to eliminate all the fat yeah, out of it. Yeah, yeah, all the yeah. fat whatsoever. I so thought that, keto like involved fat though. Oh, yeah. Well, that's, that's for, so for hardcore lifters back in the day, uh, you know, like you only ate egg whites and you oh, know, oh, I see what you all yeah. protein. So they, they, they weren't a, they weren't doing keto. No, they were, no. They were doing it for yeah, yeah. Guys. But I knew this girl down at Old Cold's Gym, and she had um, you know did a, a weightlifting mm, contest yeah. or bikini thing or yeah. whatever it's called fitness. And yeah, and she would eat nothing but egg whites and triple boiled yeah. chicken. And yeah. when she was ramping up for her yeah. show, well, and, and you would still do that. So when I was younger, um, I used to I when I was. So I was, you know, like I said, I was homeless at 15 and you end up doing stuff that you probably shouldn't have been doing, but I was going to fight and, and I, I tried out for UFC. I was going to put in for the everything and really, and we were getting into a program and stuff like that. And there was just times when 
I was eating just plain tuna fish straight out of the can two or three times a day. You know what I mean? Like just not even and, like pepper on it. No, just and maybe a little <laughs> bit of mustard if you wanted something. You know what I mean? But uh, you know, so you get into that, and and that's the reason why I do dirty ketos because I've done what you said, and I was miserable yeah. like i could not have been less unhappy um and so i know i will continue to eat dirty keto because i enjoy the food mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so like i sure. make i make a, a cauliflower bread you know that it's like a flat bread so you feel like you're still having hamburgers i and love so, cauliflower yeah and so yeah, I, I couldn't live do the keto thing because i need bread yeah. you know really well, good I've bread. Heard the, have you ever done the cauliflower pizza yeah i I, I, cauliflower I make my own cauliflower crusts I, yeah. I make my own cauliflower crust with some almond flour yeah we've stuff. done like uh you know we, look, we're not keto people but you know we've just changed things up and yeah. uh like we've done uh like the stuffed peppers, but uh-huh. we, we, you know, you basically put cauliflower in a food yeah. processor to make yeah, rice, rice out of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, instead of using actual rice. Yeah. It's very good. I mean, it, it tastes almost identical. Yeah. I, everybody who's had a bite of my, my, my cauliflower bread, they're just like, they, the first question out of their mouth is, how do you make this? And I'm just like, whoa, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, proprietary to me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, the, the other thing uh, that uh, my wife and her mom makes a lot is um, they use spaghetti squash. Yep. And so they, they basically make um, mashed potato, no, mashed oh. potatoes out of it. Okay. All right. Um, I forget exactly what they put in it, but like they'll, they'll put like garlic. It tastes like garlic mashed potatoes. Like mm-hmm. it, it also looks like garlic mashed potatoes, mm-hmm. yeah. but mm-hmm. it also tastes like garlic yeah. mashed potatoes. I'll, um, <laughs> so what you can do also is like you can do your your cauliflower, mash your cauliflower, put a little bit of turnips in it. And it'll give, and you'll, and it really turns it up. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that should be like every podcast I throw a dad joke in there. That was a good dad joke. Speaking of uh, fun stuff here, hold I always forget to grab these. Crap. Dave's crap. He said, Dave just said crap. This is Dave's uh, favorite part of the show here. And uh, so we got these uh, pod decks here. So these are random interview questions. So I'm going to, I don't, I don't, I don't parts. Okay. I don't particularly like these because the, the, the questions tend to be a little too heavy. You know, and every time we've done this now, uh, you know, I would say the last like three or four episodes, these questions. Oh, you cheated already, man. So I'm going to have a, I'll have Dave. Oh, thank you so much. You know, I almost don't even trust Dave because he comes up with his own question that actually is deep. Yeah. And he's like lying about it. And so <laughs> I almost don't even trust to give him the card. But okay, so. Okay, yeah. well, this so, is kind of this is kind of a tough one for. Oh no, know, I wouldn't no. say tough. It's just it's I, almost like I so when I because I previewed this is like a layup. Yeah, yeah. Well, because I previewed. Um, <laughs> I'm not. These questions don't bother me at all. I, I know they don't bother you yeah. at all. Yeah. He thinks they're deep. I think. Well, one of them. Is, okay, one of them. What, what is it? What? Any other guess? I would say that these are a little deep. Okay. What were your parents most disappointed in you about? Oh my God! Yes. <laughs> so, so here, so this is this is a but so, just the, based on the background they were talking yeah, about, it's yeah. like which I thought was up. honestly I thought that was very appropriate for me to pick. Um, so, so what had happened to me is uh, my father left when I was six, and my mom had a psychotic break when I was six, and she blamed me directly for my father leaving, and the quote was he left because you couldn't make him love this family. And that's when the start of the abuse was. Hmm. So that is what what they would be the biggest disappointment. Now, the largest disappointment, and I can promise you this, is that when I got kicked out at 15, I decided to not go back. Because that's what that plan was. Mm -hmm. And so as much as that may be a deep and hard question for a lot of people, it was the fact that I'm still alive and thriving is more of their biggest Mm -hmm. disappointment. Mm -hmm. And Mm so... For anybody out there that's hearing this, um, sometimes other people's losses are your actual victories. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, sure. Yeah. What's yours? Well, if you want to ask um, your own question, I, I know what that one is. Describe how you lost your virginity. Virginity. That's not what it is. <laughs> so, see, oh. see, that, 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 that's, that's, see, this is why. All right, you are no. You've lost the privilege of asking pod deck questions. It is. What's your favorite gadget? I think that's a perfectly normal question. It is. It is. So, are we? I would honestly say right now, I got a new set of palette knives to start painting. Did with. you say oh palette knives? That's what I thought you said. Yeah. 
I thought it had something to do with food. I'm like, no, I got I got a new set of palette knives that I'm going to do some paintings with. Hmm. And I got them last night, but I was helping somebody work on something. So I didn't have a chance to get to the canvas and the paint. So I can't say those are the most favorite gadget as we speak, but I like the anticipation. You're excited like, about them. Yeah, sure. I know yeah. they're coming. You know what I mean? And, yeah, sure. And I don't know if they're considered gadgets because they're just basically metal and wood. You know sure. what I mean? But oh, I am so excited. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. My favorite gadget right now is these uh, little uh, Internet of Things things, these IoT uh, smart plugs. Mm-hmm. And all that, and I got a bunch on my boat, so I can turn things on and off. Yeah, yeah. And then you can integrate it, those all in together to have them, you know, text you when your bilge pump goes off yeah, or something. Yeah. You know? Well, for someone like you, I can totally understand where that that would freak me out. Like, no, I, yeah. I, to me, that's just like a bunch of people spying on me. There's probably, <laughs> probably more tech in the square footage of your boat than most people's homes right now. Probably <laughs> is. Yeah, probably is. Yeah. Yeah. We actually, I just got these uh, Wi-Fi bulbs. They're pretty neat. Yeah. Same idea. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They. Uh, I I actually originally got them because they were. Uh, color changing so I could change them to yeah. uh, like tungsten versus daylight yeah. or any other color in between um, but they had a convenient side effect that I only found out about after getting them you could do things like set a schedule so these automatically come on at 8 and shut off at 5 yeah. you know, so I don't have to worry about remembering yeah. if I, I've left the desk light on over the weekend and it's like it's just burning the whole time yeah um, so, you know, Dave and I remember the times when you would have to get like this big old thing, plug it in, then you have to set this little timer. <laughs> and then we'd have to plug that exist. thing in. Yeah, yeah. But now you can just be like, and You're only like off. eight years <laughs> older than I am. That's so, not a huge so generational difference to make so it let's seem be honest. like I don't remember so let's be honest, certain though, times here. In technology, eight years is decades. True, but your generation actually <laughs> adopted technology yeah. much sooner than my generation. Yeah. That's yeah. actually, we were talking about this the other night during Art Walk Matter of Fact. Yeah. And I'm actually, so I was born in 82, which is like at the very end of what people yeah. considered where Generation, generation X, X was born, yeah. to where the millennial didn't, generation didn't was born. Didn't you guys just get your own generation? Because I swear there was a... There was a um, Oh, like the Gen X, the millennial. Yeah, the, yeah there was there was, a, there well, was another Charles one. Well, when Charles was on here, when Charles was on here, or something. I had Charles on here, and we were talking about this, and I came up with the millennial label. Yeah, um, <laughs> which was you know just like you know, yeah. it's like another label to put on everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, millennials like ex- took the technology and adopted it for a lot of other things but i mean the gen xers like the first ones to like you know really use email for business and i mean yeah I, I mean you worked at ibm for years you know yeah um but when i, I started with them though in the, in the early 80s we had mainframe based email yeah you know yeah it's, it's still to this day it's a in in the um we use terminals right yeah and PF, PF4 was to delete the email you were looking at. So we'd walk around and sling it down and say, uh, PF4 that. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Round file. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pretty good. Yeah. Um, all right. So, hey, we, we got to uh, through our pod deck question here, though. Uh, don't believe any question Dave basically asks. No, no. So, just having a good time here. Uh, just having, okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I did notice you're, uh, you're an Android guy, though, huh? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I like real phones. I like real phones. Oh, hey. Oh, wanna, oh, here we go. You want to hear a little uh, Android, Apple? We, he's all Apple, so we're, we I, have... I philosoph- can tell by the, uh, the, the, the angst in the question in the Philosophical statement. differences. Yeah, yeah. But uh, got a friend of mine... Um, um, played drums on Monday night at the Brown Pelican, right? And so someone filled them with an Apple, right? And so he sent me that video from his Apple iPhone to my Android. Well, when that when you text somebody a video from Apple to Android, it compresses the shit out of it, and yeah. you literally cannot see what it is. But if you send it from Apple to Apple, it's good. Yeah, is that odd? It's an anomaly. Yeah. So if you were to text me video, it would be so un- unreadable. Yeah. Only when you cross that line from Apple to Android does it do that. Well, it's it's also, probably sending you the full file, but your your phone probably is a power. It's a carrier just compresses to, to it because you're well, going. You're not using iMessage. You're going straight SMS pro- protocol. Have you ever have you noticed that when an Apple sends an Android text messages, if it's a long text message, it comes out of order? Yeah, I've experienced that too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But they're Apple. They have that right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they can be they can be wrong. I'm okay with it. <laughs> you know, actually, it's funny. I was watching this guy on a. I was watching this special report on YouTube the other day about the whole right to re- right to repair thing. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were interviewing the iFixit guy, who's uh, I guess been a um, big like proponent a big of that. Of oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, and Apple's they, fought it, fought but it. But CNN had I forget the, the the YouTuber's name, but it was actually on his channel. But he just replayed the CNN's bit. 
where they went into an Apple store and said, hey, my, my screen's not working. Uh, there was like no, it wasn't lighting up. Like it, it was like very, very dim. And they took it back and they're basically just like, yeah, it's going to cost like 1200 bucks to like, because we got to replace, th there was water damage. Uh, on okay. Things. Yeah. Like, we got to replace the whole logic board now. And then we got to replace the whole screen. They're like, it's better if you just replace the whole computer. And so then he brought it to this specialty repair shop in New York City where he was at. Um, and this, he, like this guy had this really sophisticated repair thing where he had this camera that went on the board and it threw it up to this big TV so he could like really see <laughs> like all these microscopic things. And uh, basically what happened, what, like he, shot, he he had a light on the back. He actually put a light in the back of it here. So you could see that the monitor was coming through. Basically what happened is the back light was burnt out oh, okay. on the monitor. Right. But it wasn't really burnt out. When he opened up the hardware, one of the pins came loose. And so he just restarted it back on. And that was it. It literally took him about a minute and a half. That's and something. then the screen came back yeah. on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's it's amazing what those guys can do. Like the BearTech Solutions over there. Yeah, yeah, they're very good. Yeah. I took one of my water damage phones to him, and he replaced a couple yeah. things. Yeah, they do micro soldering there, so yeah. they I mean they they really get down to they the, got like a, the little little tiny pins. If you ever want an old old Apple computer, they have mine over there. Oh, uh, do they really? An Apple One or an Apple Two? Oh, is that yours? Yeah. Oh, you know what? He said that was like I remember him mentioning O'Brien. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense now. Okay. Yeah. So it's like it's on display there, though. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. All right, yeah. I've, I've seen that there. That's that's my on my bucket list though is to go to the um, uh, computer history center out in San Francisco. Would yeah. love to do that. Mm. Yeah, I, I never got into tech that much. Mine, mine is I still can't in Ohio and you know stuff like that. And I would love to see the the Louvre. You know what I mean? Or or um, uh, what is the other famous one in in Paris? Uh, but yeah, that's the Eiffel I, Tower. No, no, no. The uh, art galleries oh, out just, there. Yeah, Eiffel Tower is just metal. But. I, I'm, I'm just <laughs> yeah. I'm being, uh, yeah. I'm being me. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> hey Brian, so where can people find you? Because I did uh, because this was like um, not so much last minute uh, <laughs> scheduling, but yeah. uh, I did look you up. So I found your website is Brian Cardoza yeah, with a because, Z. Because somebody stole the original one, and we're like, we'll oh, sell man. it back to you for Thief. ten grand. And I was just oh, like, yeah, you yeah, can yeah. keep it for Domain ten squad. grand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I was like, you, that's all yours. It's <laughs> happened with several clients of mine where yeah. you know they they've lost it, and now it's like yeah. I was just like, or something. Whatever. I was actually kind of like, I was kind of complimented. I was just like, you think I got that kind of cash? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's Brian Dash Cardoza with yeah. a Z is your website. But yeah. are you on? Uh, are you publicly on Instagram or Facebook oh, yeah. anywhere? So you can find my uh you can follow my author page on on facebook brian cardozo you can put in for a message for my private page uh you can find uh, survivor nights which is k-n-i-g-h-t which i suggest everybody go to uh because it it's a great program that helps build community um then you can also follow me on instagram uh I, i'm so narcissistic even my plenty of fish uh profile is brian cardoza so uh, <laughs> like, like um so you can find me anywhere you just put my name in google and you'll just be like holy crap like which is really weird because 30 years ago i would have thought i'd have had that many pages on google for our criminal history <laughs> but 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 now it's like good stuff so i have no idea how to handle this it's weird um i will be speaking at lenore community college on the 23rd um, you come see me at River Brew on the weekends. Uh, come in, hang out. You get much uh, traffic through that thing? We're we're building traffic. Okay. You know, when, when you're when you how, really how about the pizza place out there? Uh, I I because of my diet, I haven't had it. Oh, okay. But the manager there, Sarah, who is an, another amazing artist. If you guys get to look her, uh, Sarah Inpity or Bitterman Bitman, she is astounding. Um, but she's had it several times, and she says it's very good. Mm. Uh, so I, I hear that's very good. Now we do, we have Bellator Coffee, the local roaster. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're a new brand here. Yeah, and it's very, very, very good. And we do, you know, we do all the, we do all the, you know, the, the, the snickerdoodles and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it's kind of fun. And cool. the coffee is very good and it's very reasonable. Cool. Good. All right, man. Well, hey, I appreciate it so much, uh, right. you coming down and also doing this pretty much, I'd say, last minute. I mean, when we saw him Friday, I was like, hey, can you be available Wednesday? And it just kind of worked out, and so that was good. Um, and so uh, where can people where can people buy your – like, if someone's like, hey, I like this stuff, like, how can yeah. they buy it? So uh, Survivor Nights has a lot of my stuff. Is that Survivor.com? Is that what you're saying? Survivor Nights on Facebook. Oh, on Facebook. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Okay. And then um, my Instagram page, Brian Cardoza Instagram, you can go there and message me, and that's all – it's all – Instagram has really become my art page. Uh, and it's just at Brian Cardoza. Yep. 
Okay. Yeah, yeah, and it can't miss me. I mean, can't. <laughs> I look like every other big bald guy with. Big You're a hard guy to blend in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I'm very hard to blend in because I'm tall, but I'm also loud. Like I can't. You know, yeah. I can't. Softly. You, you stand out. Yeah. Yeah. In a, yes. good, in a good way, Brad. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Only in a positive. Uh, so, all right. <laughs> so, that uh, wraps it up for episode 24. So, next week uh, for episode 25, we have Lindsay and Winnie from Mitchell Hardware that coming be fun. on. And uh, so, that's actually, I think, the first time we've ever had two guests at once. Although, I'm, I'm pretty sure both of them are coming, but uh, if it will be kind of interesting, I have a second mic to set up over here. So, uh, but that basically does it. I hope you guys all have a great day. And if you're just tuning in later, but you want to hear the beginning of this, um, this goes up on the podcast audio uh, on Thursday morning. So just find it on iTunes or uh, Spotify or Google or Pocket um, Pocket Cast or Pocket Cast for the Android. Side if of you house. actually just go to BearCityImpact.com/podcast, you can find all of the podcast links there. So bearcityimpact.com slash podcast and they're all there and you can watch the uh, previous video replay so if you want to watch the video instead of listening to it you can watch them there as well so that basically does it we're going to end this and thank you again and thank you again to Dave I always forget to thank Dave at the end uh, welcome Dave um, has really uh, taken the reins literally uh, with Cruising News Tour Cruising News Boat Tours mm-hmm. and he's kind of our uh, video operator so That's it. Thank you, guys. It's a wrap.